0: listener supported
1: wnyc studios
2: hey lulu here whether we are romping through science music politics technology or feelings we seek to leave you seeing the world anew radio adventures right on the edge of what we think we know wherever you get podcasts
3: This is all of it on Matt Katz filling in today for Allison Stewart. Welcome back to the show. Think of the characters you encounter at your local laundromat. A new off-Broadway play from Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright John Patrick Shanley begins in a laundromat run by a guy named Owen, played by David Zayas. Soon, a woman named Fran walks in, played by Cecily Strong, and the two get to talking about life, laundry, and their respective problems. But they also have some chemistry and eventually Owen asks Fran out for dinner. The play is called Brooklyn Laundry and it follows Fran and Owen through the start of a budding relationship. We also follow Fran deeper into her own family history and her struggles in helping out her two sisters who are facing their own troubles. Brooklyn Laundry just opened this week. It's running at New York City Center through April 14th. And with me now is playwright John Patrick Shanley and actor Cecily Strong and David Zayas. John, Cecily, David, thank you so much for coming on all of it. Nice to see you all. Thank nice you. To be- Hi. So <laughs> the, the, the play doesn't only take place in the in this Brooklyn Laundromat. It, it's where a lot of Fran and Owen's dialogue takes place. And obviously the laundry's in the title. I wanted to start with John. I want to know if the laundromat was a was this setting you chose incidentally. Could it have been a coffee shop, say, or or was it very intentional?
1: I'm deeply attached to drop off laundromats in New York City and always have been or have been since I was like 31 years old. <laughs> when I that's when I first discovered that somebody was willing to do my laundry other than me <laughs> and fold it up. Uh, and uh, I have done it ever since. I have a washer dryer in my apartment, which I keep unplugged uh, (laughs) because I don't want to get dependent on it. I prefer to go out and see the people at the drop-off laundry.
3: Is it the other customers that you're interested in seeing? Is it the people who work there? What is the pull? It's an almost mythological situation
1: where (laughs) I walk in with a bag and put it on a scale and a woman behind the counter basically judges my life based on the weight of what's in that thing. And I've, I've found it to be an ongoing provocation year after year and a source of strange joy to me.
3: Wow. And it becomes a, a very intriguing setting for, for, this, for this show. Uh, Cecily, can you describe where your respective characters are emotionally when we meet them at the drop-off laundromat?
2: Sure. Uh, Fran is, um, she's a little bit, uh, she's in a rut. She's Mm. not in a great mood. She's having the worst day of her life. Um, It's the way I've been told to play it a couple times. (laughs) Um, She's just sort of, she's kind of, you know, it's a rested development in a bit where she just hasn't quite figured out what, what, what where her place is in life, mm. and she's the baby in her family, and she's been taken care of um and it hasn't led her to much she doesn't feel. And so that's where she starts off the show and,
3: and that becomes apparent pretty quickly to to owen play played by david so <laughs> so David, th- there's a obvious repartee between Owen and Fran. and I'm curious how you create that sort of mildly flirty banter. Um, I'm sure much of it is in the actual writing of John Patrick Shanley, but in watching the show last night, I noticed so much in the way, David, how you moved your hands and Cecily and the expressions on your face. Do you mind talking about the, how you create that sort of repartee night after night that feels so genuine and authentic, like you're watching real people do it in front of you?
4: Well, I, I think you're right. A lot of it is in the writing um, and then a lot of it is what I get off of Cecily when, hmm. when we're on stage. Um, I think um, this, this guy's... Owen is a very hopeful person, but I think he's also a very broken person. And I think that um, he's constantly in search for a connection that can just lighten up whatever's going on in his life. Hmm. And I think in that uh, first scene there's an immediate attraction there. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a moment where like, he's trying to be impressive. He's trying to like, trying to like calm the situation. And I think there's something about people being attracted to a kind of a, a broken, you know, uh, attitude that they may have or circumstances in their life.
3: Hmm. David, in watching these two performers, um, are they bringing to life the characters that you had in your head when you were writing, initially writing this play?
1: Um, so I think um, my name's John, D- but I'm sorry. I I sorry.
3: <laughs> my apologies. Uh, thank you for, thank you for noticing my error there. <laughs> yeah, you, know,
1: you know, Cecily brings crankiness to a high outfit, uh, and David is from the next neighborhood over from me in the Bronx. So he, he brings a groundedness, a, gen, a genuineness, and a, a visceral understanding of sort of my point of view about things on a very basic level. Uh, and I, I have to confess that I am cracked up by people who are really difficult uh, and really just not having it. Whatever kind of charm thing you're throwing at them, they can deflect and continue to see it as a source of umbrage. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I had great fun writing it. But then, when I handed it over to to these two, uh, they they really understood what I was doing, and they were able to take something that you know could be an exploration of you know, people who were not particularly happy and turn it into something that actually causes joy. In the people who are watching it.
3: Oh, it, it, I, can, I can affirm that it caused joy in, in this person who was watching it. So you succeeded <laughs> there. Uh, Cecily, what, what drew you, to? you? You see the script. You want to do this project. Was there something specific in the story that, that intrigued you? Are, are you also a drop-off laundromat fan? Uh, what, what, <laughs> what brought you to it?
2: Sure, I love having my laundry done. I can start <laughs> there. Um, I'm I'm obviously a big fan of John Patrick Shanley, so that was, you know, a super exciting prospect to get to do world premiere. Um and then just reading through the show, yeah, I I thought it was funny and devastating and surprising and so lovely. Um, and I think the 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 women in particular are, are written so well and there's There's just so much, it seemed like this is going to be a lot of fun to to figure this out and to get to do. So it was a very quick and easy yes for me.
3: There's a, I don't want to, I want to avoid spoilers, but I'm I'm so curious about this. There's, there's, let's call it a psychedelic experience. Uh, (laughs) David, was that, was that, Cecily just brought up fun. Was that just very fun to try to
4: challenge yourself in that way to pursue Um, that? yes it was that you know uh underlying exactly what's going on in that scene that extra added uh bonus of being in the psychedelics it's is something that uh kind of brought it in a different i like i didn't expect it to go that way when i was when i was reading it the first time um as we worked on it as we explored it i realized Oh, this this brings it to another level. And yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Cecily, I imagine you had fun
3: with that. As it's well.
2: I have fun with it every single night. <laughs> I think it's such a it's it's a funny scene, but it's like it's a magical scene. Yeah. It's kind of lovely. There's just such a you know, it's so it's so sincere in a way that once you're on a drug, you can't help but be sincere and authentic, which, you know, I guess the kids would say is cringe these days to just be so open and vulnerable. And it's, it's such a treat to get to start a scene like that.
3: And John, why did you decide to go that route? It seemed very kind of, there's a moment. Um, yeah, what, why did you include that way?
1: Well, I, you know, my experience of uh, interpersonal relationships uh, is that a lot of conversations quickly turn into a prison. Uh, and you find yourself saying all the things that you've always said before in answer to various questions uh, and vice versa. And you can see that the other person, that there's some other whole conversation that the other person would like to have than the one they're actually having. And you, too. Uh, and so, you know, in this scene, yeah, they take psychedelics and they have that other conversation, right. the one that I think a lot of us want to have and don't know how to access or how to begin.
3: That's really interesting. John was and there was a way for you to access, I guess, grief and and coping with feelings of loneliness. I mean, these Owen is uh, just the give a little background here for for our listeners. Owen is a hustling business owner. He's recovering from being hit by a car. He's struggling with some physical insecurities. Fran is trying to help out her sisters while also coping with her own feelings of loneliness. It, that that other conversation John that you were trying to provoke and that was it a way of getting the those in the audience to explore big themes like grief and Uh Well, I think the
1: one thing that happens with people Uh is they ghettoize certain feelings. It's like that's inappropriate to talk about in this situation. So maybe they have a lot of of grief or joy going on in their life. Let's say you're talking to somebody who's just lost a loved one, uh, and you're having one of the great romantic experiences of your life at the same time. You feel like you can't even talk about it because it would violate the spirit of grief that they're inhabiting but the play says no there is no real walls between these things and growth grief spills into joy uh and joy spills into nostalgia uh and all of these things are really parts of the same thing which is this experience of life and why not have the whole thing why not feel free to laugh and cry and everything in between All the time,
3: Hmm. David and Cecily, have you have you learned anything given what John just said about the experience of life, about your own interpersonal relationships, about the way human beings tick by
4: doing this performance? Well, you know, Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Please go. I was going to say that. What I discovered and what I find so interesting that eventually when you're having these conversations, whether it's on stage or whether it's in real life, ultimately, if when it gets to that point, um, you hope, and it doesn't always happen that way, but you hope that truth comes out, Hmm. the truth of what you're feeling, the truth of what you want to say. And that's something that's always surprising, pleasantly surprising to me. Uh, particularly when you know um, I'm speaking with somebody about very personal things. Cecily
2: Well I think it's such a it's a good reminder uh, all the time and, and performing it that it's like the minute, being someone who's being on stage and doing a show that is both very funny and, and can be very devastating Mm -hmm. that it's once laughter is such a relief and people can hold things in until that moment they laugh, which sort of then frees them up to cry. And I remember at my cousin's funeral, um, I spoke and I, I tried to make a couple jokes. I don't know if they were very good, but, uh, my his friend came up to me after and it's like you know i was able to hold it together through this like very sad funeral because it was just sad sad you know and then it was like but the minute he laughed is when he could start then he just started bawling you know and it's sort of i find that in shows too you know if we can if we get them to laugh too then it's like people are i like hearing who's gonna laugh in this moment who needs to laugh right now who Mm. needs to cry you know it's like people need to feel things differently and to release it differently. And I love having a show that allows that.
3: Yeah. The, the laughter can access emotions that aren't, you know, they, they can access deep emotions that don't necessarily are not necessarily connected to the, the laughter. They can just kind of break that wall down. John, how did you build so many twists into what's a relatively tight, straightforward story? I mean, this is not a, it's not a, it's not a long, it's not a long play. How do you find that in the writing where you're you're surprising the audience? I felt like the audience was just kind of constantly surprised in little and big ways.
1: Well, you know, maybe uh, I'm surprised all day long by the fact <laughs> that I'm alive uh, and other people are too and that uh, anything is possible once you bump up against another human being. Uh, and these things, you know, For writers, I think we're all fascinated by plot because plot is the most difficult, mysterious thing that a writer circles. Uh, And plot is really something happening in front of you. Uh, Not you hearing about it, but something happens in front of you and it hits you at the moment that uh, it, it happens. And so when I write, like when I wrote this play, there were moments in it where I found out what was going to happen when it happened, not mm-hmm. before. And as a result, the audience doesn't see it coming because I didn't.
3: You're, you're listening to all of it. My name is Matt Katz. I'm filling in for Allison Stewart today. We're speaking with playwright John Patrick Shanley and actors Cecily Strong and David Zayas about their new play, Brooklyn Laundry. Cecily, uh, in the in the play, we've been talking about emotions here, and, and Fran and Owen, but especially Fran, has a real emotional journey. Uh, without giving away the the resolution here, what exactly is Fran grappling with about herself and the world as she moves through this performance?
2: You know, with it's hard to say if I, without giving anything away, I I will say it's such a journey to go on. I'm incredibly lucky to get to work with. These actors that I'm working with, because I can really, it feels like what I imagine great tennis must feel like. Um, and that's just, I told John once, it's like, it's a bit, it feels a bit like a car crash on the way to a funeral, <laughs> which is a real thing that happened. You know, sure. like that's a part of life too, you know?
3: Yeah. It feels like the tennis part is that just because like everything you're you're given well, over
2: I'm, I'm in that analogy yeah. i'm letting myself be a great tennis player um <laughs> which i've never been i've never played i think i played tennis once as a kid and <laughs> you know not for real but what i imagine it must feel like yeah. where i just you have one partner who you're just like this person is it's fun it's fun to get to hit the ball back and forth with these guys and not know what they're going to send back and and it's and I love the writing so much. I love the shape of the play. I love Pardon my dog.
3: Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> your, your, do, your dog heard that there was a tennis surprise. ball involved.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you can't play tennis, you liar. Uh, sorry, now I've lost what no. I am saying. I, it's a great, the, the shape of the journey that I get to go on. You know, yeah. I love that that restaurant scene that we get this magic scene in the middle of the show. So I don't ever feel overwhelmed in a bad way. And I think that the ending is so lovely. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I know what's coming. I go through it, but I know what I get to get to.
3: (laughs) David, are, are, do do you, have a sports analogy here or do you feel the same way (laughs) that it felt like you were returning served from, from Cecily there?
4: Uh, Yeah, I felt the same way, you know, and the thing about it is that, you know, you uh, every night, every night there's a new experience by listening to what she's saying and listening to how she's delivering it. And Mm -hmm. it just brings something new. It's not even something new it's something deeper each time. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I, I love the analogy of tennis. I'm not a very good tennis player.
3: (laughs) (laughs) John, have you seen the performance? Have you been, been, uh, been there for, well, I, know, I know we we just opened here, but I'm curious if you... Oh, yeah. Been to the I mean, theater. you know,
1: I directed the play. So, uh, you know, I've been right. walking alongside them through mm-hmm. every step of this process. And, you know, the one thing that you, you wouldn't know from just, you know, our interview here today is that Cecily plays one of three sisters. <laughs> right. And she's the main character. But uh, she is uh, in very intense scenes with each of her two sisters in addition to the scenes with david uh and so it's always she's always walking into a new situation a new person to deal with and the shape of the play is that it starts and ends in this laundromat and so it has this circular shape that uh you know with cecily with a laundry bag over her shoulder and david behind the counter and the putting it on the the laundry on the scale and how different things can be from the first time you see that to the second time you see
3: that. I'm glad you brought up the sisters. They really help us to understand Fran and understanding that, that relationship. Um, Cecily, tell us what, how Fran is different from her sisters uh, Trish and, and, and Susie.
2: Oh, sure. I think, um, she is the youngest trish is the oldest i think of her kind of um as karen from the wonder years where she's sort of she's just such a pretty she's sort of like the wild child like yeah, you know she right. just she was so much older and older enough of fran where it's like she was a teenager first probably her first teenager like teenage girl who you think is like you're a print you're the queen of every like that's the most beautiful cool teenage person I've ever seen. And really, you know, everything Trish says to her, she takes in the most. And then Susie is the middle sister and she's definitely the boss. Right. And she's the most practical. And even though she's the middle, you know, she thinks that even Andrea, one night we were out and Andrea, who plays Susie, the middle sister, said, well, and Susie's the oldest. And <laughs> We all went, you think you're the oldest? You're not the oldest. <laughs> Trish is the oldest. But even Andrea thinks of herself, that way. And it's really funny. Um, the, the two actors, Florencia and Andrea and myself, we all kind of hit, it's bringing out these parts of our personalities too. I really love in the show, it's very special to me that it's like at some point I make sure both of them are kind of touching my head mm. at one point. Like that must have been a comfort as a kid, like to have them above me and taking care of me.
3: Oh, wow. Mm. John, uh, before before we close here, your play "Doubt" is also uh, out right now. Currently being revived on Broadway, it won the Pulitzer and a Tony back in 2004. I actually also saw it this week. I was so moved, and I'll be speaking with leads uh, Eve Schreiber and Amy Ryan on Monday about it. Uh, before I let you go, John, can you just tell us why now felt like the right time for a Doubt revival? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, when we did doubt the first time uh, in uh, New York and in America, uh, there, it was during a period of relative complacency in the country, hmm. uh, and which is gone now. Uh, and everyone is in, not uh, – uh, in, they're in the middle of an earthquake right now. Uh, and it's like trying to play tennis in the middle of an earthquake, uh, to just steal a metaphor. Uh, the audience that came back then uh, had a very different reaction, I think, because they were not riddled with doubt when they walked in the door. And now the audience that comes in, I think, almost takes some comfort in the play because they're like, yeah, this is how I feel right from the get go. I'm not sure what the hell I think or what the hell I about anything right now. And I certainly don't know what the most effective way forward is, uh, and so it's been kind of thrilling to bring it back and to have that experience um, be so different with the same, you know, story being told, but being told in a different time.
3: Looking forward to getting into it on on Monday with the actors. I've been speaking with playwright John Patrick Shanley, actors Cecily Strong, David Zayas. Their new show, Brooklyn Laundry, is running at New York City Center through April fourteenth. It's been very fun chatting with you guys. Thanks for coming on all of it. Thanks for Thank having me.
0: So much. All right. WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away.